Welcome friends to Bound Sisters, a monthly book club with Kelly, Jill, and Miranda. We are three sisters with busy lives, setting aside time to connect through books and fun conversation. Thanks for joining us and we hope you have fun too. charge of this one. Oh, I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do we start these? I don't remember. Okay. This month. This month we read the book. Now I can't remember what it's called. Upon a Frosted Star. By M. A. Kuznar. Kuznar? Okay. Kuznar? Sounds like we're simlish. We don't know. Okay. By this lady. This lady on the cover. Um, okay. What did we think of this? What did we... Let's discuss. Okay. <laughs> let's just dive right in. <laughs> we had a... We, we've already had a long discussion. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> We're struggling. Um, okay. My first question that I had was this book is described as being inspired by the Great Gatsby and Swan Lake. Um, so like what parts did you think were like the Great Gatsby? What parts were did you think were like Swan Lake? And then I didn't add this in the question, but were there any parts that you felt like were their own for this story? Um, well, honestly, I've not read the Great Gatsby or Swan Lake. Swan Lake a book or is it just like <laughs> I know the ballet, but a ballet. Um, I have seen, I have seen the cartoon. <laughs> well, did you feel like it was? Have you seen the Barbie? Uh, movie? Oh no! But Odette is the name of the girl. Is the name of the princess in the movie? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know Great Gradsby has a lot of like parties, and so I guess. Um, I think that part great is similar. Gatsby, um, the parties are specifically like nobody knows who hosts them. Oh, are they? Well, I think they know that Gatsby hosts hosts them. I don't think they know who Gatsby is. Yeah, maybe we should read that book. <laughs> I have read it <laughs> and watched the movie. But yeah, I think I think the parties, like the um, kind of the mystery behind the parties, and they're these large, elegant parties. I think that's definitely where you get the Great Gatsby um, aspect. Mm-hmm. And then obviously like the ballet part of the book, the fact that there's a swan on the lake. What? <laughs> <laughs> swan. So, um, well, so Swan Lake is that she turns into a swan at midnight every night and the prince finds her in the woods and falls in love with her and then he has to break her curse. I honestly think that that's a better deal. I feel like that's a better deal than what Odette in this book got oh, yeah. like at least at least the Swan and Swan Lake got to, you know, like be a human all day. Mm-hmm. Right. And like at regular intervals. Yeah. Like you versus like the what I thought was so sad is like originally she was human all through winter. The whole winter. Yeah, like, it kept changing. Yeah, it, like, narrowed down to, like, as long as there was snow physically on the ground, then she could be human. I feel like by the end, there wasn't really a rhyme or reason for when she changed. I And then, because she had that one time where she was, like, on the dock of the cabin. Mm-hmm. And, 
like half swan, half human. And mm-hmm. I thought it said like she just didn't have the energy to like complete the transformation. Yeah. Well, and so when he went to go see Rothbert or whatever his name is, I for sure thought that he was going to start talking about um, Drosselmeyer. <laughs> <laughs> From the Nutcracker? Yeah. Because he was like a doctor turned toy maker. I'm like, for sure, that's Drosselmeyer. Like, for sure he knows somebody from the Nutcracker. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't ever go into that, though. But I just have a feeling. I did think that a little bit about the, the company, the dance company, Reminded me of the night circus. Just <laughs> 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 like the like the like they were they had the magic that they were trying to make people think was not really magic. It was just illusions, and like they were doing great, you know, whatever. They had a great system in place, but like truly, it's just this one guy who has somehow figured out how to use magic to entertain people. And I was like. That's pretty much the night circus. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> this was a much better story. Let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> and Lindsay asked me what I thought about the book. And I was like, it was pretty good. And I was like, for a Kelly pick, it was really good. <laughs> this is so bad. Kelly's <laughs> <laughs> pick so some good bad. books. <laughs> Gosh, I think it's because... I'm trying to pick books that like are outside of her. Right. Or that I know would appeal to like more people, not just me reading smut. I don't know. (laughs) So I think maybe that's the issue with my book picks. This was a good one. (laughs) This was good. Although, so like seven minutes until we started recording our Seven minutes until we started trying to record, um, I was still mm-hmm. listening to the book. And so I was – Jill – so Jill read this book, like, today, guys, because she read it <laughs> at, like, two and a half speed. And so I was – I normally listen at, like, one and a half speed. And with the accents and stuff that they do, sometimes that's still too fast. And so I have to slow it down until I get a handle – on the way they are speaking and then I can speed it up. But dude, I turned it up to two and a half trying to get through it in seven <laughs> minutes. I it was like every once in a while the words would just be like, I'm like, well, I get the gist of what they're saying. Um listen to it that fast because I look at the book. I have like as you're reading and the audio version. And so I can see what they're supposed to be saying so I can process it. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, I don't understand. I don't understand how this works. And if I was trying to listen to it at two and a half speed when he was talking to Jack in Paris, that would (laughs) the French guy with the French accent and like that would have just been terrible. Yeah. No, this this system of reading works really well for my ADHD because there's, a, there's no time to think about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Great. 
it's like it's like the equivalent of just like putting a chip in the back of your head and you just download the story. <laughs> yeah. Funny because I was sitting on the couch and my four year old like she's like I don't want to hear this. <laughs> Nobody else in the room has like any idea of what anybody is saying. And I'm like, I'm listening to the whole story, guys. Jill finishes. Wasn't that a good book? What? <laughs> They're like, no, was not. Was there any other? Did this remind you of anything else other than the Night Circus? Did anybody else think of the Night Circus reading this, or is that just me? I think it was just. I you. feel like it crossed my mind at one point, but I can't tell you when or why or. I can see it though now that you like if like now that you mention it like they're like the troop basically wasn't allowed to interact with other people and um, yeah, travel to like other places yeah so I think the only difference was that like the people at night circus well there's a lot of differences let's be honest but the people <laughs> at night circus knew what was going on whereas like the, the bouncers they didn't know. right they had no idea. And I feel like that would be super, um, I don't know, maybe they fed. Maybe they were the kind of people who fed off of anxiety. But if I knew that my dance or my performance was going to be like unexpectedly interrupted by some sort of enchantment. And even they said that um, Odette was saying that as like her – um, time with them went on like his enchantments got more and more like aggressive and like violent like he pulled out polar bears and yeah. um, and so I feel like I don't know I feel like I would be like just have severe anxiety going into every single performance because I didn't know what to expect <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that would work out for me but again I'm not a prima ballerina so there's that also What's going on here? What's that? What's what's going on with Jill? Oh, she's probably turned her computer on. Uh, I see Jill. What? No, I see her, but she's like a light. Oh, she- it's her computer. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> she's being caught up in the rapture, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Miranda and I are just here alone. Jill's being caught up in the rapture. Yeah, Jill's like, gotta go. No, I save the good one sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I- how did we feel about the story not having a happily ever after ending? I was a little disappointed, honestly. I, I can tell you ever after. that when I was I was listening to it, I was folding my laundry, and then they were like, and she didn't turn back into human. And I just went, what (laughs) like after all that trouble and then it was was and they failed but end yeah it was sad because like not only because i feel like it would been it would have been finer still not fine but finer if she hadn't been declining in every time she transformed she came back weaker and it was more painful and all of this stuff and it happened less often, and I feel like if they could expect, kind of like Odette from Swan Lake, if they knew what to expect and when to expect it, like I feel like that would have been less 
cruel as an author. This author is a cruel (laughs) author. And now I don't want to read anything else that she has written, even though this was a good story, because I can't trust that she's not going to rip my heart out at the end of the book. (laughs) I heard that the book that she wrote before this one is a lot better than this one. Really? I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. But I'll have to read the end. I'll have to read the end first. Midnight. It's Midnight in Everwood. And every time I read a review about Upon a Frosted Star, it was like, this was a good book, but it was no Midnight in Everwood. (laughs) I'll have to read the end first, though, to know if it's a happily ever after, if the story is even worth getting invested in. I wasn't too surprised just because Miranda finished the book and then shared her um, reaction with us. (laughs) And so I was like, I wouldn't have had that reaction if this actually works. And... Um, she actually like just turns human and it's like whatever I was like that wouldn't be shocking so <laughs> the whole time um, I was like yeah she, she either he's not going to find her like the either Forrester is also Meyer <laughs> Forrester yeah. is not find the other guy the, the dance company guy Rothbart whatever his yeah. Rothbart. or I was like she's just it's not they're not going to be able to turn her back so I wasn't yeah. too surprised and I was like leading up to it. I was like, man, this is going to suck. <laughs> yeah. I was glad that he died though, that the bad guy died. At least he got like his just desserts. <laughs> I think it was too easy for them to make him do the spell. He was, they were like, do the spell. And he said, no. And then they said, do the spell or you die. And he said, Okay. that's true and like they just got like a regular security company to come and watch this guy who has magic but they know about they know about Odette's secret I don't know why she has like the security and then she has the people who plan her parties all know about her do they know about I don't think they know know they know about her curse yeah they know that there's something weird they may not know that she turns into a swan but because I yeah. thought her lawyer knew and the caretaker of her house knew. I'm not. Did her lawyer knew? Did her lawyer knew? Did her lawyer know? Or. Well, at least her lawyer knew that she didn't die on the Titanic. And maybe yeah. he, probably, he probably didn't know about her curse, but. Can we talk about Marvin for a second and how irritating he is? <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was so mad when he like wrote that article and I feel like he wrote it just because he was mad at Forrester. I don't. Did he I, write it after Forrester moved out or? Yeah. I think Forrester. had to call him to yell at him about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was just like, it was kind of just like spiteful that he would have done that. I feel. And I felt like it was crazy that. Like, Forrester came back to the apartment, and they had, like, a disagreement or what, you know, and he was like, I'm not going to tell you my secret. And he leaves to go talk to... Was it the man who he thought knew where Rothbert was? No, not the French guy. No, he, the, the like... The guy that he was, like, trading paintings. The investor? Yeah. No, no, no. No, it was, no. like, a guy he was trading like a census worker or something okay so he left and he went down to that guy's office and then marvin is like 
where have you been? And he was like, uh, don't worry about it. And he was like, oh, because I thought I saw you hanging out over here. Like, he followed him. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's really creepy that you just had an argument with your best friend. And your best friend just said, we're no longer friends. And you thought it was appropriate to follow him. And not only that, but he specifically said why he was upset with him. That he was turning into this guy who was like just into gossip rags and wanting to um, be like that reporter. And then he turns around and follows him. I don't know. I, just, I was just so irritated. I'm wondering what kind of information he could have even gotten on Odette besides the fact that she was alive. And just because she's alive and didn't die on a ship, how does that make her a fraud? I just don't understand how he thought he had a story. Right. It's not her fault that somebody else reported that she died. Like, Yeah. And just because she didn't correct them doesn't mean anything. She didn't, like, fake her own death. Yeah, he was definitely... Well, I mean, I think with those, like, columns, it's less of, like... It's more just people want to hear drama around and hear what's going on in other people's lives. And so that's what he was giving them. He was that's like, true. here's this person. And nobody knows who throws the parties. And I think he did. He Did he find out that Odette was throwing the parties? Uh, I, I think so. I think it was part of his story. I think that's what he was calling her a fraud for, like being secretive about the parties. And he was going to spill that. Maybe. Or maybe because people were like swirling rumors around it and she didn't like come out to correct anybody about anything. Mm-hmm. But again, how is that her fault? She just didn't correct anybody. Okay, <laughs> she omitted a lot of information. Let's, but also she turned into a swan for ninety-seven percent of the like year. So let's just <laughs> give her a break. So I was so sad though when she, um, when Forrester was like out having Christmas with his friends, oh, and then she he wakes up. up and it had snowed overnight. And he was like, dang it. And he like rushes and she like had this whole party and everything and he missed it. And like, it's just so sad for her. Like she probably woke up being a swan. She expected him to be there. He wasn't there. Well, I also felt bad for, uh, is his name Foster or Forrester? Forrester. Okay. In the audio, it sounded like they were saying Foster, but in the book, it says Forrester. Anyways, I felt bad for him that he just had to, like, sit around this house all the time, hoping that it might snow in the winter. Yeah, he's just, like, looking at the forecast and, like, is she coming today? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I felt bad because he didn't really even want to go to the party. And then they were like, no, like, it's Christmas. You can't be by yourself. Like, you have to come. We have this announcement. And so he was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll come. And then he falls asleep. And so he missed it. And then because they weren't even out, like, on the streets, like Kelly said, like, they missed the announcement of the party, which they used to look for those announcements like crazy. So, yeah, I felt bad for him. But, um... Back to Marvin. Um, I don't know that I could have, like, trusted that he really changed. Like, Yeah, um, like, first of all, Rose forgave him so easily for being, like, a conniving snake. And then she was like, oh, Forrester, you just need to get over it. Basically, that's what she said to him. I'm like, he literally tore their friendship to shreds. 
Right. And then she's like, forgive him. Just do it. <laughs> Even, like, especially that part where he followed him. Like, I can't get over that. Like, we're having issues. I've already told you that, like, I don't like you now. And, like, then you betray me even more by following me. Like, to me, that was, like, a clear indication of, like, he didn't, Marvin did not care about the friendship. I've expressed to you that what you're doing is not okay with me. And then in this moment, you have now decided to choose that person over my friend. You know, this person that you've become over being like, oh, wow, like, yes, I have to do this job and I have to get these articles, but not at the expense of my friendship. Like, I can find articles other places. Mm -hmm. But I just can't get over that he, like, followed him to try to get information. And I was literally, like, every time he, like, had to run back to Odette, I was like, is Marvin going to, like, follow him and then be like, ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) Or even, like, the... The last time they were at the party with Marvin and Rose and Forrester was there and he like saw them at the party, but they didn't go together. He Mm -hmm. didn't go up to Odette because he was afraid that Marvin would follow him. So he like wandered around downstairs at the party before. So like losing Marvin before he went up to Odette so that he didn't like follow him up there. So I feel Mm -hmm. like there was like some mistrust there already. Yeah. But it's okay because he needed Marvin in the end. And I know. He was able to use Marvin. <laughs> he was able to use him. <laughs> that's how I feel. Like, that's the only reason he really forgave him. Like, in that moment where Marvin was like, you don't have to tell us your whole story in order, like, for us to be able to help you. And so he was like, okay, I guess. And then he just kind of used him for the information he needed. Like, I feel like, which is fine. I'm not mad at Forrest. <laughs> I'm not saying he was a bad guy. Or taking advantage of that, but I mean, Marvin used Forrester and his story and his secrets to get like ahead in his career. So it's whatever. Marvin's not my favorite. Not my favorite. I even feel like Rose a little bit. Like I don't know how I feel about Rose. Like she's not the worst, but I do really like her aunt though. Was her Elsie? When they oh. went to go see them in the south of France or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like Elsie had some fire in her. Like, she seemed like she seemed like a Blanche from the Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like she described Rose when she was like, Rose has a really close relationship with her father. And, and she was like, any man that Rose would, or yeah, that Rose would even consider marrying would have to be like, Better. I don't remember what she said exactly. But well, I- then she married Marvin. So well, yeah. well, think he could knock her up first. So maybe she wouldn't have married him if he didn't knock her up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were together for like a year before. No, they got like, married. They got married because she got pregnant. Yeah, but they were like together. I mean, they had been together for a while because yeah, like uh, the whole situation with um Forrester and Odette was like over four or five years. Hmm. So, and I mean, Marvin and Rose were together somewhat towards the beginning of Forrester. It was like that first party and they were like, why aren't you, why are you guys ignoring each other? Yeah, I don't think they were together in the beginning, though. I think it was Marvin had, like, eyes for Rose. Oh, Marvin was was like puppy. So, 
And she, yeah, she just kind of brushed him off for a long time. Because even when they went to France, um, that because her aunt was like, he's in love with her. And Forrester was like, yeah, he's been in love with her for a while. Um, but Rose like didn't pay any attention. But I do think that they were together before Forrester moved out. Yeah, there was at one of the parties, they like went to talk to each other. They like pulled each other aside. And then Forrester was like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave you to it. It's like, it's like y'all need to just be alone right now. I'll go <laughs> to hang out. I'll go find Odette. Bye. <laughs> I do think it was disappointing, though, that the author decided to kill Odette because that's basically what she decided to do. Um, I felt like it was disappointing that for 90% of the book, Forrester doesn't really do anything. And then the last couple of chapters, he finally finds Rothbart and like makes things happen. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of really easy for him to make things happen with Rothbart too. It's yeah. awful Rothbart. that he, Rothbart was like, cause when Forrester was like, you harmed somebody that I love was, he was like, was it the guy two weeks ago? Was it the guy a month ago? Like, Wait, was it her, was it this girl? Uh, was it this kid? Was it? And there were like recent people that he had like cursed. Is that what we're calling it? He like sucks their soul or something. He uses their soul, like their soul or their like energy or something, to fuel his magic. Yeah, which apparently keeps him young because as soon as, or maybe the magic makes him old. No, I, I think. Know. No, I think he was just older. But are you forced to recognize him? Said he was older than he should have been. Oh. Well, was that when he was like, oh, you're like actual, actually magical? Like, like in the castle when he found they him? They think Rothbert is this age, but he's actually like a thousand years old. I don't know. Maybe. Show his age. <laughs> Drosselmeyer is basically know. a thousand that's... years old. And that's where he learned his magic. We're just going to go with that, Kay. It was Drosselmeyer. Okay. <laughs> We're just coming into Christmas. It was Drosselmeyer. It was it was Marie's godfather. Okay, he taught this guy from the Swan Lake <laughs> magic. The Nutcracker. Drosselmeyer <laughs> yes. is the toy maker at the beginning of Nutcracker who like gives Clara the Nutcracker. Yeah, he's he's the godfather who like everybody likes because he's fun. He's kind of he creepy. Makes cool things. He's kind of creepy. Mm, he's got like an eye patch. You- if you, well, not all Drosselmeyers do, but if you watch the ballet, you're like, mm, should you be alone with children? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you a toy maker? For real, though. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> Everybody have fun watching Nutcracker next time. <laughs> so I do think like, a lot of why Forrester didn't do very much is because he spent half of his year like sitting at the cabin waiting for her to come back. Right. Like every time he was like, I mean, finally she got to the point where he was like, okay, I cannot wait for winter to be over. Like I just need to go. But Mm -hmm. every year, like he would pause his search for information because he wouldn't go to France until it was summertime. Like he wouldn't, like he just wasn't going to go search for stuff. He wasn't going to go talk to people because then that took him away from the house. So, like, it took him a long time to, just to be able to get information. But then, like you said, like, it was just way too easy. Like, yeah. he's the one historian. 
and or the librarian or whatever. And he was like, here's this picture of this castle. And she gave him like what a hundred kilometer, like, m- like circumference of this might be where it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she sent him to like this other guy and the other guy was like, Oh yeah, I know where that castle is. Yeah. And so then he just walks up and like opens the door to the castle, like a castle. And, <laughs> and then he just walks through this castle and like, knows exactly what room to go into in this castle like okay and like the whole time he's talking about oh so like the door opened really easy and he's like oh obviously a great sorcerer like this guy is like not worried about the people coming in and then he like finds where he is and he's this frail old man he's just like and, and the guy's like <laughs> the one and only like <laughs> Nobody ever answers that way when somebody is looking for them. Right? <laughs> next time somebody next time somebody robs your house. If somebody ever robs your house, just be sitting in your living room and be like, "Welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you found me." Like this man has gone to such great lengths to hide, and now in the middle of the night somebody is just in his castle asking asking about his name and he's just like, "Here I am." Yeah. <laughs> well, like, even that would make sense if he was, like, great and powerful Oz, right? But, like, then Forrester's like, oh, I'm going to call the police on you. And he's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I'll come with you. And then, right. he, well, and then he gets to their house, and then he's like, oh, I actually don't care if I go to jail because um, doing this reversal is probably going to be really painful. And then Forrester's like, I'll show <laughs> He's like, I'll show you pain. And then... <laughs> And then he's like, okay, okay, okay. You know, and I just feel like they hyped him up to be this big, bad, great and powerful sorcerer. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, I don't want to go to jail and I don't want pain. So um, I'm going to do this. And then he just ends up being Elsa at the end of Frozen and he shatters into a bunch of pieces. Oh, sorry, Anna. It was Anna who did that. What I was really confused about was if he just recently, a couple weeks ago, sucked somebody's soul out to like fuel his magic... Like, is it draining really, like, that fast for him now? Because he's older? Because I'm like, this this guy has you in, you know, he has him by the neck, threatening to kill him, and he doesn't have magic to, like, defend himself? Well, also, someone else broke into his castle and he cursed them. And then Forrester breaks into his castle and he doesn't curse him? Wait, and then Forrester just puts <laughs> him in the back of the car... With, like, no handcuffs. Like, it's not like the guy was arrested and put in the back. Like, he's just sitting in the back of a car. He's just like, <laughs> me. Yeah, and the guy, like, does nothing? Nothing. You're, like, you're even behind the driver. You could do something from behind the driver. Nothing. No magic. <laughs> Forcer drove the whole way like this. Like, with, <laughs> with his arms stretched behind him with his, like, hand around his neck. Well, and then, so, like, I'm I'm imagining this estate, right? And the way I'm imagining it is, like, Penbury, you know? Like, Mr. Darcy's house in the middle of the country is how I'm imagining this estate. And so they lock this uh, guy Odette's in a estate? room. Yeah, Odette's estate. Odette's house? Yeah. yeah. So... And then they lock this guy in some room, which apparently was Forrester's room, because he's like, oh, you're a painter? Or maybe he was remarking on his clothes. Anyways, that's not an, that's a non-issue. <laughs> they lock him in this room. 
And then they're like, oh, call the security guards to come and stand watch. Like, are they like posted in a hut, like at the end of the road? Because I feel like the security company would probably be based in London and it would take a while for them to get to the middle of the country to this estate. But they're like, they're pretty quick. And it's very confusing. It's just all very confusing. That's the end of this book. With Rothbard just does not make sense. Because then again, like, he's just sitting. Oh, and also he's like, it's going to take me a day to prepare. Oh, I was going to say. What did he do to prepare? He sat in the room. And then all he did was kiss her again. (laughs) What did he do to prepare? (laughs) Maybe he was just stalling for time. I was going to say, I was surprised they gave him that time. Instead of just being like, you need to do this right now. Yeah. yeah. Or even like, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to watch you. Yeah. Right. It's like, or like, what do you need to prepare? What do I need to get you? Like, and that doesn't make, like, I just need to sit in the room and mentally prepare for the fact that I'm about to die. <laughs> yeah. And then what do they do while he's preparing for this? They sneak off to a lover's cabin and get engaged. I'm like, I feel like this is a really inappropriate time for this. And then they call all their friends and say, hey, come on over. We're going to make an announcement. It's going to be the best. Let's have a party. And they and don't, get- don't even know if the spell's going to work at this point. Yeah. They're just like planning for it. Like they literally call Rose and Marvin and Rose is pregnant. And I'm assuming she's pretty heavily pregnant because that's why they didn't want to, to leave. go in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And they're still going to, and they were like, no, we have to make an announcement. And so then Marvin's like, okay, I think I could convince her if you're making an announcement. I'd be like, make an announcement over the phone right yeah. now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, just tell them on the phone that you're getting married. Like, it's just- yeah. Like, I'm not dragging my pregnant wife to the middle of your country and <laughs> leaving her in winter. Well, it's actually no tires. Yeah. I don't know. This book is unraveling. There's a lot of holes. (laughs) Just just don't think too hard about it. And it's a good story. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for like Rothbart to do something to like defend himself. He didn't do anything to defend himself. Unless it's not like a defensive magic and just an entertaining magic. Maybe. I don't know. He attacked all these women. Yeah, except for the part where he has to suck out people's souls. That feels pretty defensive. <laughs> it feels offensive. So was his thought, because he never really explains it, he just kisses Odette again. So was his thought that like he kissed her to suck out her soul, and if he kissed her, he could put it back? Maybe they didn't kiss long enough because like her soul came out of him and like went into her and then it like came back out and like flew away. So maybe they needed to kiss longer. Mm, that feels uncomfortable. <laughs> it feels icky for sure. I'm just saying. Just throwing it out there. I don't like this idea. Nobody should kiss Rothbert in the first place. <laughs> if an old I mean, man brings you to his office and it. says... I don't think he was old man when she knew him. If a man at all brings you to his office, yeah. the answer is no. And he attacks your face with his face. It wasn't like a consensual kiss, I don't think. No, I don't think it was. And so like, okay, so like through the whole book, not the whole book, the first half of the book, Odette's like, I deserve this curse. And when she started talking about her friend Penelope, who 
witnessing, I for sure thought that it was going to be like, oh, it was my fault that Penelope died, especially after, you know, like he broke the swan's neck. Right. And that that was why she felt that she deserved the curse is because she provoked him and then he killed her. But then like, she's like, no, I deserved to be cursed this way because I was greedy. I'm like, why would you be deserved to be cursed to be a swan because you were greedy. Because you enjoyed being a ballerina. Right. Because she wanted the spotlight. And that's why she didn't leave Rothbert. Even when she knew that he was being bad. Yeah, because she didn't want to take was, a I feel like she grew up in a healthy home. Like, her parents loved her. Like, And then I they just, died on the Titanic. Yeah, to well, be right. fake, that's not really a healthy home. She, uh, they, her, left her, they left her home because she was being a brat. How old was like, she, though? I think she was, like, doesn't matter. Seven. She had a nanny. She had what's her name? The, it was the 1800s. Mrs. So and she, she had a nanny. So she had, she was a child. I think she's an older teenager. I feel like she was like seventeen. Because she couldn't have been a child because she one of her concerns was that her mom was waiting at the dock hoping that she would change her mind. I and think come. she's probably at least like sixteen. Yeah, a yeah. young child I don't think would have changed their mind and just shown up at a ship. Well, and also, I don't feel like a nanny would let a young child just start traveling the country as a ballerina. Well, she could have done that league, or oh, I don't know. I guess 1912. When did the Titanic sink? 1912. Are you Cause just 2000? No, because 2012 was 100 years of Oreo, and Oreo was invented the same year that the Titanic sank. Oh my gosh, the connection. <laughs> So we have concluded that Oreo is the reason we don't have the Titanic. <laughs> is that why? <laughs> yes. Do we feel like this book could become a classic? Um, I don't think so. I think there are like a lot of classics get like a retelling. I mean, like all the princess stories, all of like, you know, there's retelling. Right, like, of them. You can't really retell this story in a different way. What is the qualifications of a classic? Does anybody know? I don't know. I don't know. I do know that, like, when we were looking it up, a literature, like, there was, like, a, there was a definition for a form of literature where it's, like, it teaches you something about humanity. So, like, all of Jane Austen's book, they, like, they teach you something about the character of a person. They have, like, a story. Or not a story. A moral of the story. Or some sort of something like that. Whereas like a romance book is just about the love story. It's not really trying to teach you anything. I googled how does a book become a classic. And the very first thing Google says is a classic. Brilliantly articulates. Miranda can't articulate. Universal themes like love, morality, death, adversity. And offers revelatory insight and clarity to readers of any era. It always feels fresh. I don't know. I feel like taking two classics and smashing them together doesn't really doesn't make, make a classic. I agree. Make that, that's, that's not to say this is not a good book. I just don't think it'll become a classic. Right. Like I feel like a lot of classics are original stories. Mm-hmm. Well, even like consider some of like the Disney, like not that Disney's aren't not original stories, but like their princesses, like those are kind of like classics. But then you have like retellings of those or like different POVs of 
those princess stories, like those are not going to become classics. Right. You know, like the point of view from the villains or whatever, like those are never going to be classics, even though the princesses are. True. I agree with all of this, all of these statements. (laughs) I like all of these words. Thank you. (laughs) E for all of the above. Do you feel, oh wait, should I read the whole question? Some major themes in the book is friendship, forgiveness, and healing. Did that come out right? I don't think so, but we're going to move on. (laughs) You said in the book. (laughs) Do you feel like all of the characters um, learned from these themes, or did the characters help Forrester learn about them? I feel like, so I feel like in some stories, like everybody kind of is involved with the story versus the main character, like taking from all the other characters is what I was trying to get at there, which I feel like it's all of the characters were kind of learning about like friendship and forgiveness and healing because like Forrester had to forgive Marvin, Rose had to forgive Marvin, Detta had to forgive her like herself even though we have decided that she didn't really have anything to be (laughs) forgiven for. (laughs) Um, They all kind of had like things that they were healing from. I think though like it doesn't really, it's not really obvious but um Odette was I th- I would say she was an alcoholic from the way that like Jack talked about her like she was having nightmares and like she was like deeply troubled inside and she mm-hmm. was drinking a lot from what ja- like how Jacques describes her well like mm-hmm. even when Odette was like retelling that time in her life she said that she was taking like opiates and drinking and like she was she was doing those things right and Mm -hmm. i like it doesn't really like um i don't know that it emphasized it a lot like it mentions it but it's not like oh debt had a problem but like (laughs) she was really troubled and i think she beat herself up about that you know everything that was going on with penelope and the other people that were like missing and not being with her parents and i really do think she felt a lot more guilt than maybe is necessarily let on Mm -hmm. so and she had all that drug use and alcohol use and just trying to like you know stay she was the prima ballerina and so she was like trying to I don't know what I'm trying to say but (laughs) I, I think there was more to it than like it really you know she she felt like she had a lot to forgive herself because I think there was more than we than the book really like dug into definitely though Forrester is the main character in this book like everybody else is really just side characters the only I mean everything is from Forrester's point of view other than when it like flashes back to Odette's she has she has her chapters where she like recounts what happened while she like her thoughts or whatever yeah but other than that it is all from like Forrester's point of view which I think this is one of the rare books I've read that's from a male's point of view. I think most of the time when I read a book, it's a female point of view. Or it's a, du- or it's a dual point of view where the author will go back and yeah. forth between that's- the two characters. Yeah, like in November 9th. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that what this is because whenever you hear Odette's voice, it's never in the present. It's always retrospective. It's like retelling about the stuff. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it's mostly for the reader's benefit to understand like what Forrester is discovering um, more than it is for giving Odette the opportunity to tell her story. I thought there was one part like towards the end where Odette has a chapter and then um, Marvin in the next chapter responds like they were having a conversation. Like he, I, Forrester. That's what I thought I said. You said Marvin. Oh, yeah. I, think, I don't think Odette ever talked to Marvin. <laughs> oh. Odette knew what was up. I, yeah, took, I think um, there was a part where they were like laying in bed or something, and she was telling him a story, and then he was like, "Oh," and they just kind of continued on for whatever. I, like, I don't think that they were actually journal entries, but I kind of read hers as like journal entries. Like, she's not telling the story, but someone else is consuming her story. Somehow. Yeah, well, they were kind of written that way, where it would be like, 19, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely all of the characters had their own kind of growth, except for Rose, who's dumb for still being with Marvin. Um. <laughs> also, uh, Forrester's mother is kind of wicked. Like, oh Gosh, that was so sad. Yeah, when she was talking about, when he was telling how he had the falling out with his family and I for sure thought it was like, because he wanted to be an artist and they felt like he needed to be something more distinguished or, you know, like something along those lines. But the fact that it was because he couldn't join the army and his father could, and his father died in the army. And if there had just one more person on that army, then maybe his dad wouldn't have died. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or she, and she was like, "You should have been the one who died, and not your father." And that was like so jarring to me because I tell my kids all the time, "I'm like, I, I love, I love my husband, but I'm like, I feel like if he died, I could carry on." You know what I mean? Like, I could carry on, but like if one of my children were to die, I feel like it would just like gut me. I don't think I could. I don't think I could survive that. And so just to, like, hear a mother say that about her child, I was just like, she's sick in the brain to have those thoughts. Yeah. And then I have carried on for years. Like, not even like, oh, I said this and it was in the moment and I was in my grief and I was sad and I didn't mean it. Like, she's literally on her deathbed at home and his sister is like, don't come. You'll just upset her. Yeah. I'm like, what in the world, woman? And I was surprised that, like, he has no interaction with his family, but yet he, like, his sister and him still kind of communicate. And he sends his nieces and nephews presents. Yeah. I think, wasn't his sister upset with him for the same reason for a while, too, but then she forgave him? Which... She didn't really have anything. But I feel Maybe. like she was also, she was also upset because her husband had to go to war too. I don't what he remember. Called, he, drove the, he drove the ambulance, right? Yeah, he tried to join like the medical community, the Red Cross yeah. or whatever in the war. But, so like he tried. He did what he could. Right. He even tried to enlist and they rejected him. So. But yeah, uh, I just thought it was interesting that like. I don't know. What's the daughter like secretly communicating with him or, or the, I mean, not the daughter, the sister. I mean, I wouldn't imagine she lives with her mother because she's but married she, with her own family. 
she couldn't have said anything about like, oh, Forrester sent these paintings for the kids. Like, yeah, you know, or she has these paintings on the wall. Like her mom knows that he's an artist. Like, where'd you get these paintings from? Oh, Forrester sent them for Christmas. Like, yeah, she had to be. So she had to be lying about that or just hiding them or something or throwing them away. Who knows? The whole thing is just weird. It's just weird. And well, sad. now he gets to live all by himself in a giant mansion with his swan wife. Not yeah, anymore. until she stops turning back into a human. Until she died. Or dies. Did she actually die? Or I thought she just kept turning into a swan. Yeah, she, he just, the epilogue says that he stands at the edge of the lake waiting for her to come back to him. That was the end of the story. I was like, that is a terrible ending. But I actually read the ending like a couple weeks ago. So I knew it was coming. But I thought for a second when the guy shattered and he, I am, if I'm remembering it correctly, like Forrester turns to like protect Odette from the shattering. I, I think so that she didn't see it. I thought Forrester was, was trying to. Like, I Forrester I was what? Gonna die. Oh. Instead of like Odette was going to be saved but then Forrester was going to take like shards to the back like a explosion of magic and now Forrester gets hit by the magic he was like it was shattering or whatever and he had like turned away I thought he was going to get like impaled from the back and just literally like die so like Odette (laughs) regains her humanity but Forrester dies yeah that would have been even I don't know which one would have been worse (laughs) but yeah that's why I, I thought for a second. I was like, that's, that's, that's awful. Well, and so like question number five is, do you feel like Marvin and Rose's relationship was a contrast to compare Forrester and Detta's relationship to? Um, I felt really bad for Forrester when, because obviously he loves Detta, right? Otherwise mm-hmm. he wouldn't be putting himself through all of this. But um, it's always hard when you see somebody else having the life you wish you had or the life that you envisioned for yourself and now you're living a different life. And when like not only did they get engaged and then married secretly, but now they're also having a baby. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a reality, I think, that Forrester never thought about that he would never have those things with Odette. And mm-hmm. so I felt kind of bad for him for that. Yeah, I wouldn't com- say I compared them as much as like like you were saying. It's just you feel bad that yeah. he didn't get that. Yeah, and now he just gets to live in a cabin by the lake. And unfortunately, Wait, I don't think if she, di- if she did stay a swan and didn't die, I thought she died. And No, I think she comes back every winter. Or yeah, every winter. You think- Can she have swan babies? Half swan, half human baby? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would their children turn? If he were to impregnate her, how what how would that work? Have eggs. And then make human <laughs> out of the eggs. These are this is how cherubs are made. <laughs> <laughs> she like lays these giant eggs like a dinosaur egg. And then it hatches and a baby is born. <laughs> oh no, but if, if she really is just like a swan on the lake now forever, he I don't imagine that he would leave the lake to go like live his life. Like if she was actually mm-hmm. dead, 
and like he could like it was over yeah like he could go like maybe not leave because i think he liked um i mean the house was nice to paint in right and maybe he would kind of always hold that as like a piece of data but at least he could go well and she bequeathed it to him too so it was his house his house he has that lake cabin now there too um but like he could leave to go meet somebody else versus if she's still living there as a swan and he's kind of there too yeah like he knows like that swan is Detta. like Mm -hmm. yeah he's never gonna leave even if she never turns human again right he's He's like that bird is my wife yeah that bird is the bird (laughs) (laughs) i'm married to that bird over there Imagine bringing like a new girlfriend over and be like, "Isn't that the most beautiful swan you've ever seen?" <laughs> she's like, she's like yeah. "Yeah, it's a nice swan." <laughs> no, it was beautiful. <laughs> oh, but, but yeah, he'll ne- he would never move on if um if Odetta was there living as a swan. It's yeah, well, like they even think, person. like, if she, if she were to have died, like, even if he never decided to, like, pursue a relationship with somebody else, he could at least leave and have a life, you know, like. Right. But would he? But he I, could. <laughs> I think I'm, I don't know. He, he, what if he just carried the swan around with him? <laughs> And they're like, that was my thought. I'm like, what if they move to Russia? Right. It snows a lot more. Yes. Right. Like move away from England because I feel like it just rains a lot there. Kind of like Seattle. Like it's on the same like trajectory. So I just feel like if they moved farther north. We can go Sweden, Norway. Like we have options. A few of them. Yeah. Except for don't take a book. A book. Not a book, a boat. Because (laughs) I heard the North Sea is terrible. (laughs) Have you been on the North Sea TikTok? I have been. Totally. It's like these boats, like, like scaling these giant waves. No wonder Anna and Elsa's parents died in the North Sea. Right. Yeah, no. I I wondered that too. Like, why didn't they just move her to somewhere else? Because it's not like like she was like... I don't know. It's not... I don't know. I guess... Sell the house. She was cursed. She was cursed in London or wherever they were. And she somehow got to her house. So, I just feel like traveling isn't an issue. So... Mm -hmm. They sh- they should just move, and then she just be human. Where it's always snowing. Yeah, or at least mostly snowing. Unless like, because he kissed her the night she was saying she wanted to leave. So maybe he kissed her, and she like immediately left and was like, "Well, I don't have another company to go to yet, so let me just go home." And then when she was home, she realized that she was cursed. Now she's trapped I don't know. There. I feel like she turned into a swan right away. I feel like they should just test it out. He should just like pick her up and go. 
Marvin's like, you want to come over for Christmas dinner? He's like, yep, I'm going to bring my swan. <laughs> Geese is off the menu. <laughs> I think the issue about like toting her around as a swan would be she doesn't remember being human. It's not like she's a, a swan with a human mind. That's but true. She does remember. No, no, no. She does remember. There's one point where he sees he like the first time he goes to the lake after finding out she's a swan he sees her and he's like she's odette and then later she's like i saw you at the lake and he was like yes and you were a swan is that when she's a swan she doesn't remember him or her name or his name hmm because she definitely said that she saw him at the lake i don't know but there's a lot of geese who are friends with humans so i just feel like he could make friends with the swan and he could be in love with his wife, Odette, and friends with his swan, Odette. And then they could just have a full and complete life. They could move to Russia, like northern Russia, or Barrow, Alaska. That would be a good place to move also. Except for she might get eaten by a polar bear. So that might be a problem. That'd be traumatic from her past dance life. <laughs> <laughs> my thought was what happens if a male swan moves on to the lake and then she's got like a, a swan husband and a human husband <laughs> a swan's <laughs> life for life, life. <laughs> but then, then the male, the male swan is on the lake making eyes at the human husband because he's like well, it was my life we made for life <laughs> We are going to write our own book about this book. <laughs> and this book can become a classic. It's called Swan Wars. <laughs> My wife is a swan. <laughs> you know me from a male swan. <laughs> oh my goodness. On the lake today, and then this man showed up on the shore looking at my wife. <laughs> and then it started to snow, and my wife went to him. <laughs> I was and flying I, overhead, and I saw the most beautiful swan I've seen in my whole life. <laughs> and I landed, and then she was just gone. I couldn't find another swan in the whole lake for a whole week. <laughs> and then she came back when it warmed up. <laughs> okay. It could work. Let's uh, type all the prompts into Chat GPT and see what comes up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. Okay. What, what so, are we rating? Look, I think it was pretty good. I would do a three point five. Nice, simple, but cute. Uh, it is a simple book. Although, like, at the beginning, I don't know. I Maybe I just struggle with beginning of the books. Like, in general, like, you got to get into it. <laughs> just in general. Like, I got I to gotta struggle through the first couple chapters. Because I forgot what the book was a, supposed to be about. And so then it's hard for me to, like, piece things together. I was like, just, you know, it's just hard. Anyways. Uh, well, and I think the book started off with, like, talking about the parties 
And then you're like, oh, okay, so this is, book is about a party. And then it jumps into Forrester, like, wandering the streets of London. Mm-hmm. And you're like, who's this Forrester kid? And why is he wandering the streets and not at the party? <laughs> like, <laughs> but it is, um, yeah, I would say a 3.5. I'd probably, probably say a 4. I would say it was a good book. And... <laughs> There are definitely more good parts than bad. I think we didn't really find the bad parts until we really broke it down and discussed it. And we were like, (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of holes in the end. We have lots of questions. I think it has really good vibes. Because the cover cover is quite good. And the inside is also quite good. That's true. Miranda likes Art Deco. Uh, no. I love Art Nouveau. <laughs> you like what? Get them straight. Art, nu- Art Nouveau. Oh. They are different. Are they? Sorry. They are. Art Deco is like straight lines, sharp corners, and Art Nouveau is like curves and circles. Thanks for explaining that because I was just about to Google it. <clears throat> <laughs> Let's see if that's what Google says that they are. Straight lines. Sharp edges. Art Art Deco is masculine. Art Nouveau is feminine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So we're doing like a, what is that? 3.5 is probably average. (laughs) 3.6 with my four, with my 4.0. Um... Okay. I don't think I would definitely recommend it to people. I did tell my sister-in-law that I think she would like it, but I think that she fits the vibes of the book, which is why I think she'd like it. But I wouldn't just be like, read this book to anybody. That's probably true. But if somebody picked the book up and said, hey, what did you think about this book? I was like, oh, yeah, you should read it. (laughs) You should read my book about the swan husband. (laughs) (laughs) After you read this one. You got to read this one first (laughs) for the swan husband to make sense. (laughs) <laughs> are you still looking up the difference between the two art styles yeah okay so we're trying something new next year we're doing a reading challenge. what are we calling it it's challenge? a genre diversity challenge just prepare yourself for more night circus uh reads <laughs> from kelly because i'm forced <laughs> into a box of kinds of books i can read but yes, January is Jill. Each month we'll have um, like a theme that we'll pick um, or like a genre, I guess, is, is what you call it in the book world. <laughs> <laughs> so for January, we're doing um, a self-help book. Classic. Um, yeah, classic for January. Classic for January. Oh, um, I, you were saying I had to pick a classic. I was like, that's not... <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it's not the same. You have to pick. We're gonna do the five love languages. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went looking for your book today, and I was like standing in the self like development section, and I was like, I just suddenly got really embarrassed. I was like, it's New Year's, and I'm in the self help section. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're feeling called out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. But we are going to read um, Like She Owns the Place by Kara Allwill. 
And uh, this is the description that Amazon will give you. It says, can you imagine what life would be like if you could accept failure, cellulite, wrinkles, imperfections, screw-ups, and vulnerability? I'll tell you what would happen. You would finally take that weight off your shoulders and build unshakable, sustainable confidence. The truth is that confidence isn't about living up to anyone's expectations. It's about affirming every day that you are an effing boss. It says epic boss. This is <laughs> <laughs> it's not the result of being skinny, making six-figure salaries, finding your dream partner, or drinking green juice every day. I never considered that like the goal. <laughs> You're like, green listen, green I'm going to start Just like green life. Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> green. Does green Kool-Aid count as green juice? <laughs> It requires patience, dedication, forgiveness, bravery, and an incredible amount of self-compassion. You probably read that confidence is a choice. And while that is true, it's more accurate to say that confidence is a series of repeated choices to accept yourself, to choose pride over insecurity, and to fearlessly show up in the world as the truest expression of yourself. It took me a long time to overcome all the BS. It took me a longer time to develop a rock-solid sense of inner peace and become intimate with my intuition. Yeah, it really does say that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Confidence that lasts longer than I should have rushed. My goal with this book is to share with you how I have arrived here, how I've helped my clients arrive here, and hopefully save you years of pain, shame, and uncertainty. Because, girl, (laughs) I know how rocky this road can be. This is a tall order for a book, I feel. She's like, this took me years, but let me tell you, when you're done with this book, you're going to have this down solid. You're going to be an effing boss. (laughs) We're going to read this book and no one will recognize us afterwards. (laughs) Until we read it, you guys. What? You cannot critique the book until we've read it. (laughs) I'm going to show you how to block out all the noise around you. And how to free yourself from the opinions and judgment of others. I'm going to teach you how to trust your gut, reclaim your life, and rock what you got. I'm going to show you <laughs> in the place. She's going to do a lot. <laughs> it's a, just a tall order. It's a really tall. I feel like she doesn't know where our starting point is. All of um, this in 220 pages. <laughs> it's it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. We're gonna be brand new people by the end of January. Watch we're gonna out. love our. We're gonna love our cellulite. That's for sure. I don't know that I have cellulite. <laughs> Thanks, Miranda. I'm not gonna have to worry about it. your bum and your thighs just not your ankles you're not gonna pull your pant leg up high enough to see your <laughs> like just, <laughs> I'll just stop now <laughs> I'm 
sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so anyways, this should be fun. <laughs> I got to go to the store and try to find this book because I feel like, especially, well, in general, I like hard copy books, but especially like self-help books, I like hard copy books because... Then you can write in them. Yeah, like, or like cross out words and write different words. I do that sometimes. Kelly's <laughs> <laughs> like editing people's books it's like when people make those to-do lists and they're like read 20 books and then they cross out like 20 read book crossing out whole sentences she's like all right now i can do it that's exactly it exactly i gotta make things you should eat a salad every day you just salad every day <laughs> all right well you should definitely like all of our social medias and subscribe because next month is going to be the best <laughs> you don't want to it may not be the best book but it will yeah. be the best discussion <laughs> yeah you don't want to miss january even though it's a self-help book because it could be fun to tear this it book apart just be us uh <laughs> just tearing ourselves apart <laughs> we're gonna be like she she well, told me to do this, but I turned around and I did this, and I feel like <laughs> I'm a winner. people's books. <laughs> this podcast is just why where we talk about why we thought your book was bad. <laughs> well, do not ask us to read your book. You probably won't like it. <laughs> we enjoy books, but <laughs> when we discuss them. <laughs> We will find your plot holes. Both <laughs> <laughs> this month, and now I'm just like, well, why were there so many problems? <laughs> you came into the conversation unaware that there was even a problem. <laughs> I was aware of the ending. <laughs> I was aware of all my questions about Rothbard, but <laughs> and I was. Aware. I didn't like her. I didn't like her being dumb. Rose. <laughs> yeah. so, I think it's weird that like uh, just back to We're the book. We're just back into the conversation. <laughs> just like I'm not done. Wait. <laughs> but like they were trying to like reestablish this relationship with Forrester. They know that he has like some sort of relationship. I know they don't know all the things about Odette. But they know that there is this important person in Forrester's life. They never say, like, bring her with. Like, they're like, oh, yeah. it's a Christmas. But they don't ever say, like, we would love to meet this person you're with. They're just like, you, you. Just you. One singular person. <laughs> Maybe come to Christmas. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess that she had a secret and she wouldn't have been able to come. But why did they not invite her? Because he knew that they knew that he was at her house. So like, right? So he should have. They should have invited. Like, imagine if I was like, "Hey, Miranda, I really miss you. Please come to Christmas. Not, not your significant other. Nope. Yes, <laughs> please. I want to want to rebuild your mind relationship. I mean, they didn't expressly bar her from coming, but they definitely didn't invite her. Like, but why? <laughs> that's, that's just. <laughs> 
that's another issue I had while reading the book. But it was my rewrite. We need a rewrite of this book. <laughs> add a few more chapters. The chapters were so short too. Like we could add more. It's okay. We could like squish some together because there was sixty three chapters. Sorry, sixty five chapters. Yeah. Probably could have like smushed some together, make like forty chapters. And then we could have added a few more to answer the questions. Yep, there you go. And then it wouldn't have seemed like such a big like book to digest because there was less chapters. Yes. <laughs> so anyways. It was good. I did like it. It was good for good a discussion, job. I feel. Yeah. So okay. So anyways, are we saying bye now? Bye. Um, very well. I can't I probably shouldn't sing Oh, it. happy new year. Disney's gonna like, Oh yeah. It's New Year's Eve today if you're listening to this the day it was released. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024. 2024. Let me be the first one to welcome you here. <laughs> Let's have a year. Not a good year. Not a bad year. Let's just have a year. Let's have zero expectations for this year. I'm going to have the best year ever. Miranda is going to welcome in the second of the COVID-24 is what she's going to do. <laughs> Miranda's like, today's going to be the, or this is going to be the best year ever. Isn't that what everybody said about 2020? That's yeah. what everybody said about 2020. Because they were like, it's the Roaring Twenties. It's going to be the best time ever. Yeah. COVID. Yeah. Which it was that's, like the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> it's true. But that's why I'm saying like zero expectations. Let's keep our expectations right here, guys. <laughs> it's going to be the best. Hold on tight. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. <laughs> That's what the guy from Jurassic Park says before you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, it's That's late. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are we saying goodbye We're again? Yeah. Goodbye. So long. Farewell. <laughs> Our feet are the same. <laughs> Our feet are the same. Trying to say, I'm saying I do. That's what Christopher says. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this month's episode. If you haven't already, remember to click the follow button so you don't miss an episode. If you like this episode, we highly encourage you to leave a rating and a review. If you're listening on Spotify, you can also answer the questions and polls that go along with each episode. We have a lot of different options if you're looking for more Bound Sisters content, like following us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Bound Sisters or visiting our website to sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, thank you for listening to this month's episode, and we'll see you next month.